We're so glad you're joining us today. Just a quick note before we get started, you're listening to this episode on our public feed, which means you won't get to hear the whole thing. If you want to hear the entire episode, we invite you to go to yescollective.co and sign up for our daily wellness membership. You'll get access to our private members-only podcast feed, where we have full episodes like this one, but tons more amazing emotional wellness content, including our therapist circles, on-the-go articles, parent-focused meditations, and special episodes you won't want to miss. So head on over to yescollective.co, become a supporting member, and we'll get you your own private podcast feed today. Welcome to the Yes Collective Therapist Circle, a space where we bring on our expert psychologists, therapists, and coaches to answer parents' mental health questions, talk about the mental health theme of the month, and give us some practical emotional fitness tools to bring into our daily lives. This week, Audra welcomed into the circle the amazing Dr. Alicia Wuth, clinical psychologist, therapist, and Yes Collective's Director of Mental and Emotional Health, Alicia answered parents' questions about dealing with feelings of stuckness at work, how to let go of parenting habits inherited from your parents, how to respond when your child rejects you, and so much more. So many amazing practices, tips, and nuggets of wisdom were dropped. Without further ado, here is Audra and Alicia in the Therapist Circle. Welcome to the Yes Collective Therapist Circle, and I'm Audra, and I'm super excited to be here with Dr. Alicia, and we're going to be talking about um, a lot of different mental health questions brought forward by our community this month. Um, Thanks for being with me, Alicia. Yes, thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Awesome. So we're going to start out this therapist circle with talking about fear and fear-based thinking. And this question is, I recently realized that I was raised with a lot of fear and fear-based thinking. I'd like to unlearn this and break that cycle for my kids. It's hard too, because we've been through a lot of scary things already, like medical trauma. Where, how do I get started? This is a good one, huh? I mean, I feel like this is. is big for so many so many of us, like, I do feel like there's like also cultural aspects to it as well, but uh, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a great question. I'm so glad um, and grateful to the person who wrote it in. Um, And of course, there's a lot to unpack here. So I'll do Mm -hmm. my best. Um, Also understanding that I don't know necessarily the intricacies of this person and their family dynamics. So this is kind of a broad, broad lens, but I mean, first and foremost, I commend anyone who's coming forth with an awareness of like, there's Mm. a cycle here that has become ingrained within me that I don't think is helpful. How do I unlearn that? How do I break that? And I think that takes tremendous amount of courage and awareness. So I always like to start there um, and and really sitting with that because I don't think people give themselves enough credit Mm. for when they come to those realizations. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I think there's another very important and complex piece, which is the medical trauma, Mm -hmm. right? So this is an individual who is acknowledging that they have some childhood conditioning that kind of predisposed them to this fear-based thinking. But on top of that, they have experienced significant 
significant stressors in their life. And these stressors are real and valid and the fear is real. And I think that's important, right? Because it can be easy to kind of disregard the fear. Mm -hmm. But I like to remind all of us that fear is rooted in some truth, right? So our minds are just doing their, their best to keep us safe. And anytime we start catching ourselves into thinking into the, all the what ifs, we're usually stuck in the future. Um, and so one way to combat this or to kind of is to bring ourselves back to the present, right? Because mm. as much as we would love, we can't change or predict the future, right? But we do have impact and control over this present moment in our time, in our life right now. Um, And so what I usually ask people to do as well as myself is to really get present and centered in the moment and turn inward of asking myself, like, what am I feeling in this very moment in time? Like, does it have a name? Like, can I name the feeling? And where in my body does it lie? Right? Mm, Yeah. So for me and a lot of other people, it might be in your gut or your stomach, Mm. your head or your back or your chest. But really sitting with that and feeling into what it feels like and honoring that feeling almost as if it was um, trying to tell you a message, because that's really what all of our fears and feelings are, right? They're kind of messengers in disguise. Um, And so for parents and families that are dealing with all these complexities at the same time, I like to um, have people incorporate their kids into this. And this might feel a little silly at first, but... I think kids learn best by modeling. So you might even let them in on what you're working on, right? Like I'm really getting comfortable and I'm practicing like labeling what I'm feeling in the moment, honoring that, like not squashing it down, but really bringing it to the surface so I can move through that either through breath work or through tapping or through stretching. And then you might invite your child to do that with them. But of course, give them permission not if they don't want to. Of course. God, it's so beautiful though to invite, I mean, not only invite them into that work with you, but to reveal, just to reveal your experience. And so it might be like something comes up, you're, you're triggered, you respond, you recognize that you're in, you're responding um, out of a, a place of fear and that you're working to identify what that is and where it is in your body. And as you're openly doing that with your child, I mean, I can just imagine any scenario in the home to say, I was totally triggered in that moment because I'm afraid of this and I'm trying to narrow in on where this is in my body. And so that's the work that I'm doing right now. And just revealing that experience to your child. I mean, there's a ton of cycle breaking. I feel like for most of us happening in that kind of open processing yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, Audra, for sharing that because you're absolutely right there. There is so much connection in sharing our vulnerabilities. Mm, and I yes. think for a lot of time um, and still present tense, being vulnerable, truly vulnerable emotionally with another person can feel really scary and overwhelming depending on mm. our context and kind of previous experiences. Right. But if right. we can get to a space where it feels okay to do that, it it really feels empowering and it and it really shifts the, the dynamic, right? Because you're really letting your child into your own world. And the hope is that they will too, right? Because you're yeah. not shaming these feelings, right? They're just yeah. they're just feelings. Mm. The other it's beautiful. The other application I can I'm feeling into as is like the part of this, it's fear-based thinking. I'm just thinking like of fear-based thinking and 
Um, I love how you talk about coming into the present because I know at times in my life, especially, you know, running small businesses and, you know, I grew up with fear-based thinking around money and around safety. Um, so kind of like that root work is really important to me around money and safety and learning that this wasn't just objective, first of all, right? That there's storytelling in, in the fear. Um, that A, when you mention gratitude, is I hear like gratitude, grounding, naming, right? So like gratitude for this part that is trying to protect me. You know, there, there, there's a part of me that's trying to say, hey, 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 watch out, watch out. This is, could be dangerous. You know, don't want you to run into that danger. And I can have like such gratitude for that part for looking out and say, thank you so much for looking out. And thank you for the invitation to go in the rabbit hole. But I'm one thing I've learned is that because I can remain present, then I just won't walk into that rabbit hole because that rabbit hole is a tunnel into a story of the future that is a story. It's technically a fiction, it hasn't happened, right? And for me coming into the present is very often being in that reminder. And I often have to physically do it, like going for a walk and then coming into that present of like, this isn't now, Mm -hmm. this isn't happening. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. I love the way that you frame that. And I think the IFS language of parts Mm -hmm. lends itself so well to this because in, in hearing you say that you're absolutely, you're kind of separating that part, that fearful part from yourself and you're able to acknowledge it, to hear what it has to say, to thank it for being here and to also let it know, like, it's okay. Like you've got this, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there's a reassuring, yeah. Like a reassuring of that part. Um, The, the other thing that's coming up for me seeing this is thinking of fear-based thinking and especially being involved in the communities that I've been involved in and, and with childhood cancer, very often, you know, I am close with, with uh, parents who have endured and encountered so much trauma and re-trauma that um, other things in life can become pretty scary and difficult too, you know? And so I see this with like fear-based thinking that sort of spreads, right? It spreads from the kind of these original sources or maybe the childhood predisposition leads to, you know, things and then, and then spreads to like, um, uh, maybe how we interact with uh, things online. So that's one thing that, that I've seen is like, and have you, I, have you noticed this, it's like attraction to the clickbait fear-based thinking, right. And almost the jumping into that and the wanting to jump into that. And a friend of mine told me once, like, um, as a dietitian, because we're talking about health information. She was like, are you encountering this information? I mean, feel into yourself. Is this out of fear or is this out of hope? Like when looking at health-based information, like, like what does it feel like inside when you're looking at this information and when you're encountering it? And if I'm encountering it after fear, to me, it's like the sign to slow down. Just slow down. It doesn't mean that like fears off limits or anything. It's just like slow your roll. There's probably a lot more going on here, right? Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, you're you're absolutely correct, and I and I love the way that you are kind of coming to information, right? Really asking yourself: Is this are my intentions rooted in fear and in seeking this out, or are my intentions 
rooted in hope, right? And maybe it's a little bit of both, mm-hmm. right? And allowing yourself to slow down enough to actually feel into that gives yourself and your body what it needs to fully process the information in a way that's going to help your family the best, right? Yeah, it's it's really, really powerful, Alicia. And I found in my own journey, because I resonate with this, with this, um, uh, mom's, I think it's a, a mom's um, question a lot. Mm-hmm. And talking to a lot of other mom friends, we start to learn that we are trying to unlearn these patterns, these inherited oh. generational patterns, and um, how difficult it can be, especially around money and safety, you know, kind of like that sort of thing, yeah. the uh, security um, and things like that. I do think coming through COVID too, we have seen a tremendous amount a fear-based thinking kind of, you know, really, really take root and catch fire. So I do think this is probably big for people. I think very alive for people in many ways and just bringing this awareness to it is, is probably really helpful. I hope. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you're absolutely correct, especially with COVID. I think, you know, as a, as a world, we've all kind of, in a sense, been traumatized and living mm. and surviving throughout this because it's completely shifted the way in which a lot of us work and interact, um, our expectations of the future and all of it. And I can only imagine when you add on the complexity of that, of, you know, chronic medical um, traumas, right? What that does. And so I think for a lot of parents, um, there's empowerment that comes in seeking out information, right? And finding the best resources and services for your family. And I also think, there's room there to pause as well, right? Because I think like all of us, we can get stuck in cycles of finding, finding, finding. And like you said, it's really important to ask ourselves, what's the intention behind it? Is there also maybe a little bit of avoidance of feeling into like this incredible sadness, right? Oh, yes, yes, yes. And lingering. Oh, that's, that's really powerful. We need to put a pin in that. Is fear-based thinking related to avoidance? Um, I also just to tie this up a little bit before we move on to the next question. Another thing that came up for me is I'm I'm wondering, like I could hear someone saying, but Hey, I have like some really well-founded fears, like trying to teach my daughter about personal safety, um, as a teenager encountering the world that she'll be traveling and much more alone. And like most of us growing up, we still live in a world where, um, where people and very often women or people who identify um, in this way encounter the world like and all the, with all the danger. So, mm-hmm. you know, we want our daughter to maybe not go to whatever, go out, you know, late yeah. at night, go to gas stations, you know, the things that we worry about with our own safety. Um, there's really well-founded reasons for that. Um, I can imagine right here, I'm at home in Savannah. There are many Black families here in our neighborhood and community that are teaching their children about how to encounter a very, very dangerous world, um, a very racist and dangerous world. So these are really well-founded fears. What's the difference between that and kind of like preparing for these realities, like preparing and then fear-based thinking? Yeah, that's an excellent question. And I'm really glad that you are bringing up um, what's happening in our world right now, especially within um, the Black communities. Um, You're absolutely correct. Feeling fear right now is 
warranted. You know, going into a supermarket is no longer safe. Going to a lot of places as a Black individual is, is not safe. And that's well documented and there's data supporting that. And so it's quite adaptable and good that families are teaching their kids to be mindful and aware of their surroundings and how to um, respond to authority figures if stopped. And that also inherently there is trauma in that. That's a trauma response. And, and so at this point in time, it's hard to separate that from trauma because that is trauma, right? Questioning reality and questioning Mm -hmm. what is safe and what is not. Um, I think taking kind of a step back and a a broader lens to that and just to the events going on right now, the, to, to, to differentiate, um, like fear-based thinking from that's pathological, you could say to just, um, being smart and wise and street smart Mm -hmm. is when you start noticing that it impacts your ability to go on your, your daily life in a, in a ordinary way. Right. So if, if you're saying to your daughter, I don't ever want you to leave the house or ever go out on a date because of all these terrible things could happen while valid, that's where it starts to impact just living life. Right. And I think the, the tricky part in all of this is of course we want the best for our kids. Of course we don't want anything harmful to help happen to them. And we also want them to live, right? And to enjoy and to be a part of society and to find themselves in a sense. And so it's it's a fine line to walk and it's tricky of like, how do I support and protect my child, but also let them become the person that they want to be. Yes, absolutely. That's so, so good. And I can, uh, I really feel like I have that understanding of, um, if you get to the point where you're not living life or, you know, it's kind of imposing, imposing, I mean, there's one thing between looking out, you know, assessing very real dangers, like, you know, putting, putting, uh, you know, fire protection in your home, like that is smart, you know, like there's that, that difference. And then like obsessing over the potential for fire in your home. And then I think this question around fear-based thinking, the part where it gets real subtle is in your subtle daily thoughts and and things where you kind of go to fear first, you know what I mean? And I think we especially see that when the media, culture, social media, things like that grabs, grabs us in fear first. It like, that is, that's clickbait. And so the only thing I'd leave that with is, is folks just understand people want your attention. And they're yes, going to use absolutely. clickbait to get it. You know, they're going right. to use fear as the main, you know, it's like, nobody's like, oh, I'm so into that, like very well-reasoned, you know, Instagram post. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah, I think you said it really nicely. It's like internally, when you start to notice the first go-to in your mind is all the negatives, yeah. right? Like yeah. you can play out everything terrible that could possibly happen, or if you have vivid images of what everything terrible that could possibly happen on a constant basis mm-hmm. where it's impacting your ability to concentrate and work and engage with your kids actually in the present and hear what they're having to say and you're missing opportunities of connection. That's where, you know, it, I, I think it's warranted to seek help through a mental health professional in a way that they can serve as these wonderful guides of really understanding your inner world so you can understand yourself better in that moment. And it doesn't become debilitating. You feel empowered. You know what to do. You have the tools. 
beautiful. Sounds liberating. Um, well, speaking of liberating, I want to get to the next question, which yeah. I so identify with. I've, I've been, I've been here. I have, I have worked at some places in my day. I bet you have too, Alicia. And so yeah. I yeah. feel with this, with this mama, um, she says that my full-time job is taxing. I work in a toxic environment. I have to work and I feel stuck. I know this is big, but I'm trying to figure out if there are some daily practices that can make this season more bearable for me. I just hate coming home on the edge and easily triggered. And I just have to say, I know what it like what it's like to feel that stuck. I remember being in a job when we first moved to LA and... Um, I remember just feeling like in this very first in this very first um, position I had somewhere that um, it wasn't exactly what I wanted to do, you know, for for, it, for my life. But I needed to do it. I had to do it, yeah. and I yeah. didn't have choice. So part of it was the disempowerment and being like, I know I need to have a year on my resume, so I'm just 100 percent stuck, 40 hours a week. Yeah, that's rough. That's right. rough. That's a lot. And yes, I love this question because. It's so relatable. I relate to it. You relate to it. I know everyone listening, I think there's parts of themselves that will relate to it, even if they don't necessarily work within a toxic environment in this moment in time. Yes. And so first off, I'm so sorry that you are going through this. Um, I can only imagine how difficult this is. Um, and so I, what I would recommend, not knowing too much more about the situation is before you come into your home, so giving yourself 10 minutes just to sit in your car by yourself um, and do, you can do a number of different things. But the reason why I'm saying 10 minutes is because it's a small amount of time that I think it will feel okay and doable to commit to, but it's also enough time to at least acknowledge what you're feeling in that moment. And maybe you're feeling a million things. So maybe you just pick three emotions that are standing out for you in that moment. And I want you to identify them. I want you to put your hand on your heart and just breathe for 10 minutes. And at the end of the breathing, what I would recommend is that you pick some sort of like mantra or just a simple phrase that you kind of hold on to when you walk through those doors into your house as a reminder, when you start noticing yourself become triggered, right? Because you're going to become triggered naturally. You just had a terrible day, right? Um, but something that you could hold on to. So it could be as simple as like breathe or like I'm trying my best or like I love my family, right? But something to remind yourself that like your intention in this moment is to become a better version of yourself, right? Your intention is to become more present. Your intention is to connect. And as simple as it sounds, sometimes when we just make our intentions conscious, so much happens, right? There's so much awareness that happens. There's so much change that happens. So it's beautiful. Yeah, no, I love, I love the idea of, of like, hey, I can't change the situation, but mm -hmm. I know that I don't want to come into my house triggered. Right, right. So one thing and that you know I, I, yeah, oh, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, go ahead. I was going to say, you know what? I just had a thought to come to mind is that what I've noticed is that when people start to do this practice, it actually kind of builds on itself, right? Because people start to see the impact that it has. So maybe the next, in the next few weeks, you, 
you kind of um, protect a little bit more of time to maybe go on a little walk, right? And it kind of creates this movement of like, I need to nurture myself. And whenever I see that happening, I also start noticing that more options are available, right? Mm, there's an opening up that comes with that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's really beautiful hearing that. I, I love that starting with this one kernel of, of self-care, really holding oneself and providing for the transition from that toxicity of that one environment into your home environment. So whole like, and just like creating that space for yourself to care for yourself and then move into your transition to be more of who you want to be when you come home. But then when you're more of who you want to be, when you come home, it strikes me. Um, I remember learning this at one of my, one of my jobs, I was so overwhelmed with how, um, the work environment was so embattled. Everybody was fighting all of the departments, yeah. all of the, everybody it's always fighting and backstabbing and, and, and yeah. it's just like, what, you know, it's like, it's not like we're like, I don't know the department of defense, like why <laughs> right. Yeah, this college, you know, of all places, is it like this? And then my friend uh, introduced me to Brene Brown. I was like, okay, okay. It's like, just, you know, this was uh, before Max was diagnosed. I'm like, okay, this is like really groundbreaking stuff. Groundbreaking. Like, what if I put down my armor, right? So I started to see this, like, I can't change the situation, but I can start to change myself, right? And in it was like, part of it was how much I engaged that I learned. Right. You know, right. I learned like I didn't really realize before that that I I, I was engaging, um, and moved into a space of, you know, in, instead of fighting back on something, you know, I'm sorry about that. Moving on, and I know what to pay attention to. I know what not to pay attention to, and just sort of like kind of getting more clear in myself, which I didn't really know that I was just right. unconsciously engaging with all of it. And then yeah. Max was diagnosed, and I came back, and I was like, this is going to be different. Because the yeah. life perspective, you know, shifts. But I know this isn't this mom's story, or, or you know, and it's just my my part of it. But it did remind me of that. There's a Viktor Frankl quote uh, around um, that when you when you can't change the situation, you have the opportunity to to change yourself. And that's mm -hmm. what this little kernel you're starting with reminds mm -hmm. me of of the opening up of the possibilities that that can come with that that only you hold really if if you're right. open to it, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I, I appreciate you sharing that story, because you're absolutely correct. I think for all of us, there's parts of us that relate to that in the sense that we, I like to think that all of us want to be the best at our jobs, right? And mm -hmm. sometimes we take on things that we're not even consciously aware that we are taking on, right? Or we're yes. playing a role in the oh, yes. department. <laughs> that we don't necessarily have to play. Like maybe within our workspace, we don't have to be the empathic nurturer listener to every complaint, right? It's okay to just say, I'm so sorry about that and, and move on with your role and job, right? But I think this question's wonderful because it brings to mind the complexities of what a workplace really is and how it becomes toxic. And when we kind of succumb to, we can't change our surroundings, we're really forced to look within ourselves of like, what can we change and shift within ourselves, right? And I think for our families, that sticks out for me and for all of us, right? That 
if we can find a better way to show up for our kids and for our partner, I think most people want to do that, right? Yeah, it's really beautiful um, to hear this. What comes up for me as you share that is the concept of boundaries that you mentioned and mm-hmm. self-betrayal when we don't yeah um honor like right boundaries what we know we need and i've experienced this and experienced a change in myself in this over the years that um you know has led to some big change it was like sort of like been a cascade where like once i like yeah. peeked open that curtain i was like oh my god i am betraying myself by being nice performing this role, the performative, because we do go into work often with a performative kind of thing going on, right? Like we're this role in this position and this, you know, it's all performative. It's like this performative arranged marriage. Yes, absolutely. But there are times when the combinations of people stuff, everything we're bringing in together, right? Everything we're bringing in individually when it comes together just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And as you start to find that kind of get to know yourself better and and understand yourself better, you can start to see where these opportunities are to um, honor yourself, to not betray yourself, which allows you to be more honest in your work environment and allows you to show up with those boundaries and to say this is appropriate and this is not. Absolutely, absolutely. What hearing hearing you, what comes to mind is um, just be by putting those boundaries, you know, in place and by not betraying ourselves, we essentially become more authentic in the workplace, right? Yes. And which I think is a wonderful goal, right? To really show up as we are. And so I think that uh, there's a lot of, a lot of individuals, myself included, um, where people pleasing has become a norm. And so to really understand the intricacy behind that, yes. Um, <laughs> yep. And yeah. you're absolutely right. It's, it's, there's an aspect of self-betrayal. There's an aspect mm-hmm. of fear. There's an aspect mm-hmm. of the what ifs. There's an aspect of control. And when we start to kind of take a look at the whole, it's that much easier to then just show up. Hey there, thanks for listening. To hear this entire episode, we invite you to become a daily wellness member at guestcollective.co. We'll send you your own private podcast feed to hear this and tons of other members-only Yes Collective content.